Welcome to Boss Lady Energy. Boss Boss Lady Lady Energy. Energy. Y'all, we got that Boss Lady Energy. Welcome back to Boss Lady Energy. We're here for another Monday, and I'm here with my girls, Courtney and Kristen, per usual. How you guys doing? Good. I think Kristen better than us. (laughs) I'm feeling so good. I'm just back from Cabo. I've had my, you know, drinks. I've been laying by the pool. I got my tan. So I'm good to go. Okay. Yeah. And these vibes. She's living her best life. Yeah. These vibes she's given off, these vacay vibes, the aftermath. I mean, trust, we've seen Courtney flexing on the gram with her Cabo trip. So we know. We know (laughs) how it goes. It is. It is not a flex, y'all. It is a vacay. <laughs> Live your best life. This was vacay, my honeymoon. Vacay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Those booty pics. Oh, girl. <laughs> oh, they're so, y'all are so funny. Y'all are so funny. But girl, let me tell you. Girl, let me tell you. I have been obsessed with this guest that we have on today. Justine Nelson is someone I follow on YouTube. She's incredible and all about being a debt-free millennial. I think most of us can relate. And if you're listening, you're probably a part of that audience. If not, people are in debt. And so she is helping us figure out a way to get debt-free. And I love it. One of the things that I found interesting about her was her little baby Quinn, uh, four months old, had woken up from a nap and she was like, one second, guys, I just got to go grab her, brought her over, was so calm, so poised. As a new mom, sometimes you think like they're those memes like scrambling and like their hair is everywhere and like they're they're a mess. But she was sitting there feeding Quinn a bottle and she was just talking about sinking funds and how to get out of debt and And how much hurt her. chatting away like a like it was nothing and I think that's what she had it all under control multitasking she was so relatable and I'm so excited for everyone to hear um, what she has to say yeah she's working mom goals y'all we are so excited for this Monday because we have a special guest that we think will be able to change your life. If you are someone that is in debt currently or has experienced any kind of debt, you're going to want to listen to this episode. So we have Justine Nelson and she is the face and founder of Debt Free Millennials. She's someone that I follow on YouTube and she has her own website, own business. She's a boss lady and she's here to help millennials improve their money situation without giving up that avocado toast. So, hey, if you're listening, I I know you're already like that. That's probably something you're wanting more of is avocado toast, the beer, all of the things. But she was named a YouTuber to watch in Forbes for her simple and actionable financial tips, exploring debt, saving and budgeting for craft beer. But here's a really big thing that I didn't even realize, Justine. She paid off thirty five thousand dollars in student loan debt in two and a half years on a thirty seven thousand dollar salary. So she is definitely someone that has the experience and she's here to teach us all the things. Thank you, Justine, for being here. Welcome, hey, Justine. thanks for having yes. me. Thank you, thank <laughs> you. It's such an honor. I'm so glad you guys reached out and I'm happy to do this. Yay. Yeah, we are so excited. This is such a hot topic among, amongst our generation, amongst all the millennials. So first of all, I know Courtney gave you that amazing intro, but please tell us a little bit about yourself and why you started your YouTube channel and website to help other people like you to get out of debt. Yeah. So I'm a Midwest millennial. I grew up in Kansas City and I went to a big four-year university like most of us did. And if you hear a little baby in the background, that's because my daughter (laughs) Quinn is with me and we are hanging out on this podcast together. Boss lady in the making. Boss lady in the making. And so don't do what I did, which was take out a mountain of student loan debt. And it just seemed like that was the norm. That's, that's just Mm -hmm. what you do. You go to school and you take out student loans. So Mm -hmm. I ended up racking up 
$35,000 in student loan debt and got my degree in marketing and got my very first job in advertising making $10 an hour. And so I started getting those student loan notifications in the mail with the government demanding their share of their money back plus interest. Mm. And I had no idea how I was going to make that happen because I had moved back in with my parents. We wanted to live downtown, do the happy hours, do the sushi dates. But how could I do that making $10 an hour and then also making these $232 monthly minimum payments? I know. So it was then that I started to really kind of buckle down, start reading some financial books and get into this mode of, okay, if I really want that lifestyle and I want to travel and do all of these things, I can't have student loan debt on my back. This has got to go. So I made a plan. I focused, kept my head down. And at at one point I was making over a thousand dollar monthly payments towards the student loan debt and was living on half of my income. Oh, wow. Jeez. Wow. How, yeah, so, how did you sustain how, that? Like, how, Was it because you were living at home? Like, yeah. So there's a couple of things that happened during this process of paying off the debt. So I started off making $10 an hour, and I knew if I wanted to become debt-free that I would have to increase my salary. So I really fought for a full-time position at that ad agency, and I increased my salary to $33,000 per year. Mm -hmm. But it didn't stop there because I was like, this is still a low salary. I'm still not (laughs) making anything. So I really worked the system because an ad agency, they're bringing in catered dinners all the time. We're staying in late. And so I said to myself, okay, take advantage of that. That's a free meal. And I would would eat those free dinners. And then eventually I was able to pivot to the next job that had a higher salary. And so I bumped it from 33 to $40,000 in about a year's time. Mm -hmm. And so I saw that as an opportunity. And actually this was, this was a um, piece of advice that I got at a career fair, which was, it's not your, it's not your fault for being in a crappy job. It's your fault for staying in a crappy job. Amen. Amen. Love that. (laughs) Yeah. So I was like, Hmm, that, that makes sense to me. Right. Like it's not your fault. This is, these were the cards that were dealt to me, but now I've got to do something with them. And so it was at that point where I was able to kind of see, okay, I'm in this crappy job, but What's the next step? What's that next stepping stone to the career that I really want? And with that salary increase, it helped me stay focused, live below my means, and put more of that salary increase towards the debt instead of bumping up my lifestyle. Which I think so many people relate to you, Justine. I know I do, where you're told to go to college, do all of the things, take all of these steps that seem right, and then you take out all this massive debt and you can't get the job that you thought you would get with your degree. A lot of millennials have found themselves in that position. So I think a lot will relate to the fact that this is where you started and you still were able to pay off that debt. Now, one thing I know, I, I talk to Nikki and Chris about it all the time, is I followed all these financial gurus. Dave Ramsey, the Budgetista, and now you even. And it's just 
what, there's not one way to do it. So can you tell us how you ended up saving uh, while also paying off debt? Or was that completely off the table for you? No, I was definitely saving and still putting money towards retirement during my debt-free journey. And like you mentioned, you know, Dave Ramsey is a huge name in the personal finance community. And unfortunately, you know, a lot of what he's saying now really doesn't apply to millennials. And he's saying, you know, a thousand dollar starter emergency fund. And I'm like, it's just not enough. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. We just talked about this on a previous episode. Me and Courtney were talking because I was like, Courtney, you follow all of these people. Like, how do you make it apply to you right this second? And she's like, I have to make a cocktail. I got to take something from Dave Ramsey. I got to take something from someone else. So is that what you did as well? Or did you like, okay, this doesn't work for me. So now I'm going to do, because you have your completely different thing. Yeah. You know, I took, I took his advice and in the beginning, I think he's got a really great plan for paying off debt. But in terms of stopping your retirement savings, I think is kind of BS because especially if you have an employer match, that's money, that's free money that's just sitting on the table. And I think you do have to take advantage of that and also live your life. Like Mm -hmm. I want to be able to still go on vacations while I'm on this debt-free journey because to me that was motivating. And, you know, for him, he, he really encourages people to do this scorched earth approach and that just and rice. Yeah. yeah. I was just going to say that. Courtney always talks about beans and rice, <laughs> living up beans and rice, save. Yeah. And I'm <laughs> like, down debt. that's not going to work. So, yeah. so I had to build in those fun money categories, like saving for a vacation and paying for it in cash. So I knew it wasn't going to deter me from the overall goal of paying off the student loan debt, but I can still have fun, pay for things in cash and attack the student loan debt. Did you have credit card debt on top of that or was, or did you not touch anything with credit? No. Oh my God. My parents, so my parents were like, don't get a credit card. Don't get a credit card. So they really Mm -hmm. drilled that into me because I think, you know, Mm -hmm. they had their own issues with credit card debt. So I said, okay, I'm not doing credit cards until I met my husband. And he said, well, credit cards are fine because there's plenty of rewards and points and travel points that you can earn work that system. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And he kind of described it to me as, you know, Dave Ramsey and the credit card approach is all like, if you were an alcoholic and you were given, you know, a bottle, could you, the credit card, could you actually like control it? Can you be responsible with it? And not everybody is like that with alcohol, right? right so if right. you can if you can think about it in that way, I don't know, that's an extreme example, but if you can think about it in that way of like, okay, I can really do some damage with this credit card or I can use it responsibly and have a good time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm learning that lesson now. We're mm-hmm. starting to do that too because we were in credit card debt, $27,000. Not to make it about me, but I'm just saying. Oh, so I wow. understand. And now working yeah. it to your benefit with using your points and 
So yeah, I think I think it's also a mindset thing. Like Dave Ramsey isn't completely wrong. He's helped a lot of people, but your example, Justine, of an alcoholic, you have to get your mindset right before you can start using those things responsibly. And I talk to the girls all mm-hmm. the time about sinking funds, and they can't wait for you to explain. Oh yeah, what sinking we were like, what's a sinking are. fund? <laughs> so instead of me doing it, please take it away and break down what sinking funds are. Yeah. Okay. So let's say that you want to save up for something or you want to make sure you have enough money for a future expense coming up. So I'll give you um, the car insurance premium example. So I pay my car insurance premium every six months. I know every six months I need to pay $372 towards my car insurance. So I can break that into a sinking fund by dividing out the number of months into the total amount and see how much I need to save each month for that particular expense. So for me, it was $62 a month. So I know I have to put $62 per month into a separate savings account or earmark it in your budget until it reaches that $372 amount. And then I have it. You can do the same thing wow. with saving for a car or yeah. vacation, a down payment. Pick your goal amount, your goal due date, and then divide it by the number of months. And that's how much you should be saving per month for that particular goal. Amazing. And then how do you not touch it? Do you keep it in a separate <laughs> savings account? Like, cause like, I'll be like, mm, I'm just going to use $5. And I mean, I know it's self-control, but do you put it in a separate savings account or is it in your savings and you just know it's all chunked in there? Yes. For the big expenses, I highly encourage people to open a separate savings account for each of your big goals. So I did this with, uh, my husband and I are saving for a down payment to buy our first home in San Diego. And so I said that I want $100,000. That was my original benchmark. And so I ended up opening a high-yield savings account. There are plenty out there. I have mine with Ally, but there's plenty of online banks that offer decent interest rates. And then once I opened up that savings account, I just renamed the savings account. Did you know you can do this for free? You can rename your savings Hmm. account to whatever you want. It could be... Trip to Japan 2023. It could be Jeep Wrangler, oh. whatever it is. You know, Justine and oh. Kyle's humble abode, whatever. <laughs> Cute. <laughs> so, and, and when you label it, it decreases that desire to take that money out for something else. Right. Name. So, I mean, that's like, the reason oh. for our budget, too, is like naming exactly what things are going for. And people think it's so boring or rigid no. and you can't live your life, but that's so good. Right. I got to look into doing that. Putting yeah. Putting a name on it. Mm-hmm. it put, yeah. Label it, and you will be less likely to pull that money away from that goal because then you're like, well, I'm taking away from Japan 2023. Like, I really wanted to do that trip. So it, it kind of puts things in perspective or at the very least it, it makes you pause and think about, okay, is pulling out this money right now going to satisfy me versus fulfilling this financial goal? What's really important to me right now? Mm. All right. So I have another question. $126,000 is what it says on your Instagram you have saved right now. Ooh. Am I correct or wrong? 
It's increased just a little bit. So Ooh, it's a hot- get it. <laughs> get, yes. Yeah, I, I've got to check it for this month, but we're over $128,000 saved for our down payment. That's awesome, this, Justine. That is and so much money for a house. I mean, I know LA and San Diego houses are very expensive, but. Can you just like, I don't know, break down some tips of how we can do the same thing? Like, how did you guys do it besides, you know, the sinking fund and, you know, breaking it down monthly? I'm just curious at where to begin. Yes. Okay. So having a house, I think for, I think for a lot of Americans, right, the, the American dream is to have own their own home with the white picket fence, whatever. But for us, I feel like, you know, home ownership has been delayed and delayed and delayed as millennials are delaying other life events like getting married, Mm -hmm. having kids, all of these things. But I knew it was something that I wanted. So I started early. So $128,000 is a lot of money, but I've been working at this for a long time. So I started really tracking the down payment goal in 2017. And I had money in a savings account. And I said, you know what, I know some of this money I want to put towards a down payment. But I need to track this more realistically and set a goal amount for what I want. So $100,000 was the initial goal, because I know how much houses cost in San Diego. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, come on, $100,000 is like not even 10% out here. So <sighs> It's something that I I wanted to start. So what I ended up doing is I opened up that separate high-yield savings account. And then I realized, okay, this goal is going to take me at least five years. And I decided to leverage bond index funds as a conservative way to grow that down payment goal. So a a, a bond index fund is more conservative than a regular index fund, which is made up of a bunch of stocks. So a bond index fund is just made up of a bunch of bonds on the stock market, and then it tracks overall that progress. So bond index funds historically have made anywhere from three to five to 7%. And so I can say, all right, cool. These are conservative funds. I'm going to put part of my down payment money into those accounts and watch that grow. And my personal performance has been over 5% and a rate of return on those bond index funds. So that's what I'm doing. I'm not a financial advisor, by the way, I need to say that. Yeah. (laughs) You're just good with money and you're relatable, which is why people (laughs) Mm -hmm. love listening to someone like you, because we feel like it can be attained. Like you're a millennial, just like us. You, you clearly just said it's tough. So wow. Kudos to you, girl. You're killing it. Thank you. And anybody can do this. Anybody can hack the system, open up a simple brokerage account and start investing in different index funds. Um, The bond index funds are more conservative because you're less likely to have that risk of losing money. There is still a risk, but it's less likely than a regular stock index fund. And that was something I wanted to experiment with in order to grow my down payment um, amount. So you could do that for a car. You could do that for a wedding, whatever you want, knowing your timeline. If it's going to be at least three to five years, then you could look into something like bond index funds. Uh, yeah. 
Now, $128,000 down payment is huge, but I, I noticed that you and your husband, Kyle, ended up, stop, you're not looking into the home buying process anymore. Can you explain why? Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if you guys have seen, but the housing market is just crazy hot right now. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I yes. think that's true everywhere. And it's, yeah. but it's, it's really hot in LA, I'm assuming. <laughs> but the rate of inflation has gone up. And with the housing market being so hot, people in San Diego are offering over asking somewhere between eighty to a hundred thousand dollars over asking for a house that's oh, yeah. that's everywhere. priced at seven hundred and fifty thousand mm -hmm. dollars. And I'm like, this is already really high. We're talking yeah. a three bed, mm -hmm. two bath, like a starter home is seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars in San Diego and people are offering over that amount over the asking price mm -hmm. wow. and so i'm like why would i buy something at that's at, at an all-time high like i wouldn't do that with stocks i wouldn't buy stock a stock at an all-time high price i would buy low and sell high and so if you're a homeowner this is like an amazing time for you it's a seller's market yeah it's oh, a seller's yes. market but also those sellers, when they go to sell their home, now they're kind of stuck in the same situation as us buyers. As everyone else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they're like, oh, well, if we want to move into a new house, then yeah, that, that house is going to be have to pay. overvalued. Exactly. So mm -hmm. I said, you know what? This is not the right time. We rent a two-bedroom, two-bath apartment in San Diego, and it it meets our needs. And so I'm trying to remember to be present and content with where we're at right now because this yeah. this our building is amazing. I love it, and it's great for us and the baby. And we just have to be patient. That's that's our plan. Oh, yeah. we're still saving for the for the down payment. That's not going to stop. We're just <laughs> good. Yeah. And you'll be in a better position when the things change with the market. Hopefully, I, I don't for know sure. necessarily that the whole bubble is going to happen, but I'm just hoping that it's not as sky high as it is right now because we're also right. looking so God. Last season, we had a few uh, financial people on, Aaron and Stephanie. Um, they talked about how renting wasn't throwing your money away. Uh, how was that, has that been hard for you because you had this dream of having a house? Like was renting, I know you said be present and be patient, but. Yeah, no, I, I've been a lifelong renter. I've never owned a home. And when I think about, okay, yeah, if, if I purchased a home, then I could build up equity and make that work for me. But I mean, real estate is not the only investment, not the only smart mm -hmm. investment. In fact, yeah. you know, buying a house has a lot of added expenses to it. You're talking about right. home maintenance, property taxes, you know, all of these different things that go into home ownership, HOA fees. And so is it really, are you really building equity uh, that way? I mean, it, I think it depends on everybody's right. situation and the home that you get in. I don't think renting is throwing money away because I've been in this place of contentment with all of the amenities that I have. And I mean, my stuff gets fixed for me. 
I don't have to worry right. about that. Yes. And oh, that's the thing I miss the most. <laughs> yeah. Where's my maintenance man? <laughs> yeah, like you. I'm him. Submit the request, and yeah, have somebody come in, and it's it's no big deal. Um, and I and I know that with for me renting, I know this is a lot cheaper than owning a home right now because I'm putting so much towards savings, so I can focus on building up the investments, building up these other goals. You know, it's so it's so interesting that we all like have kind of changed our mindset on like rushing to meet certain milestones as millennials. And I'm so thankful that we're shifting that mindset because for a a lot of years, we all have expressed we felt behind in certain areas. But when it comes to marriage and money, I feel like that concept has not changed. Like it is one of the leading causes of divorces and (laughs) we're all married and we're all hoping to stay in those marriages, I'm sure. How do you and your husband navigate those conversations? about finances were you both always good with it yeah yeah we had talked about it when we were dating and I told him that I was following you know this debt-free journey of paying off student loan debt and talking to him about credit cards and we just kind of had that conversation before we got married. So I would encourage anybody who is dating or seriously dating somebody, if they haven't talked about finances yet, the sooner, the better. <laughs> like yeah. you don't, you don't want to have any surprises when you get married and find out that your, your boo has like, you know, $50,000 in debt and you had no idea. One thing I love about you and your husband is that you guys sit down and you do your budget together over a cold beer, which is really cool oh. and a nice way to do it. How did you guys get to that point where you do budgeting and beer? So he was not interested in budgeting with me at all. Uh, he thought it was boring, thought it was a waste of time, basically was like, is there money in my bank account? Yes. Okay, we're good. I'm good. And I was like, no, like we have to, we have to figure out what our goals are and what money is coming in, what money is going out so that we have an Mm -hmm. understanding of, are we hitting financial goals? And so I was definitely the type a budgeter. I wanted the spreadsheets. I wanted to sit down and see all the numbers in front of me. The way that I got him involved with that is I said, okay, I'm going to do the numbers. I'm going to put together the budget, but you need to sit down and look at this with me. So let's make this fun. We both like craft beer. Let's get a craft beer. And all you have to do is next 15, 20 minutes, we're just going to go through this and give me your opinion on what's going on with our finances. We'll drink a beer and make this happen. And he was like, Okay, so that's the way that I got my husband that's right into cool. it. But I mean, for anybody else, it so could smart. be like, you know, your favorite pizza that you order and you order in pizza and you guys sit down together, make it fun, put on your favorite Spotify playlist. And Lo-Fi yeah. Beats is really good. It has no lyrics and then you can just kind of veg out and do your thing. Yeah. Just FYI. Yes. <laughs> that, yes. I mean, you're giving me an idea. I'm definitely going to start tequila and taxes with my husband because what a stressful Ooh. season. <laughs> That's great. Tequila and taxes. We just make sure you get your numbers right. I know. Right, right. Just getting oh, everything yeah. together for to give to someone else. But I just yeah. I love that you guys have got to that point. It seems like y'all have a rhythm. So to know that it like wasn't always that way gives us hope. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it just takes consistency 
to make those things happen. Oh. I talked to another girl who said her and her husband do cocktails and calendars. Oh. <laughs> oh. So yeah, that. cocktails and cocktails and calendars. Can you believe that? <laughs> so I was like, that's a really good idea. Cheers. We do a segment on here called What I Sip and we can hear Quinn. And, you know, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, your maternity leave. Congratulations on having Quinn. I know she's four months old. It's a very exciting time for you. you. But I do have to ask, how was planning a family while you guys were saving for a home? How did that fit in for you guys? You know, for me, it wasn't so much. I mean, yes, I was thinking about finances when I was thinking about uh, wanting to have a baby. But. I said, you know, with finances and family, they're really, uh, it doesn't matter how much I have saved. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how much is in my bank account. To me, this is an emotional decision between my husband and I. And I know we have these savings goals and we're going to continue to save for them as best we can. And also I know what's, what's in my heart of hearts. And at that time last year during the pandemic, I guess I wasn't doing much. So I was thinking like, let's have a baby. Let's do it. Um, And I, I didn't realize how quickly things would unfold because it literally guys, sometimes it takes one time. One time. That's what I keep hearing. Oh, Oh, snap. And I was not expecting that. So, yeah, things kind of quickly changed. (laughs) Oh, no. And Quinn decided to come to the world, which I love. So it's like, yeah, if you want to start a family and you still have debt, don't let debt make that decision for you. So we're talking about family planning. And I'll be honest, I've been anxious before about starting a family just because I always had it in my mind that adults had it all together before they started a family. And that's never the case. No one knows what they're Mm -hmm. doing, but you can plan a little bit. So obviously when the pandemic hit, a lot of people were affected, including me and my husband. He's an entrepreneur and I was laid off from my W-2 job. So all those plans went out the window. And I would just love to know like, when you made that decision in the midst of the pandemic, did it feel very clear? Did it feel impromptu? Like what led you to feeling at peace about starting a family? Starting. Yeah. Um, I had, I had been thinking about starting a family for a while. I knew that I definitely wanted to have a kid before I turned 35. That was my own timeline. Uh, and I was like, okay, you know, I'm, 30, I guess at the time I was 31 and I was like, I would kind of thinking about it, you know, the time the clock is ticking. And (laughs) I think I was in a financial spot where we were saving for a lot of things and debt was no longer an issue. And so I do think that not having the debt was helpful. Absolutely. And I was seeing, you know, friends and family start to have kids and I was starting to get that itch a little bit. So Mm -hmm. it was like, yeah, Mm -hmm. kind of. And so during the pandemic, you know, we weren't doing a whole lot. So I had a lot of time to, you know, work, but also reflect on where I wanted life to go. And I just had always pictured kids with my husband. I just didn't know when. And it just seemed like at that time when everything was slowing down for the world, it almost seemed like, okay, maybe this is the opportunity where we can step in 
and see what happens and just, mm. just open the door. And I fully expected the pregnancy journey to be a long one. I was not expecting to get pregnant right away because I have a lot of friends who mm-hmm. um, have have fertility issues. And so I was like, okay, yeah, that, that yeah. could be a very real possibility for me. Um, and then it wasn't. <laughs> and then it was like the first, <laughs> first try. I was like, oh my That's God. That's a blessing. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, then I really freaked out and then I was like, I'm in denial. This isn't real. This like two little lines. I don't think it's right. And then, yeah, it's, you're pregnant. (laughs) Wow. You, you're really speaking to, I think all three of us were like right there in that, in that mindset too right now. I think Mm -hmm. we're like, "Mm, are we ready? Is the career where it needs to be? Do I have enough money saved? Should Mm -hmm. I, should I not? I'm not in the right place, but it's like the baby is small for a year or two. So like you have that time to, to, to get into a home when she's a little bit bigger and have more space and, and us too, I'm talking us two girls. Um, (laughs) but like just that thought process, I'm going through that right now. I think we all are. It's very, um, amazing to hear another one of us going through it. Yeah. How did you come to the decision of having a natural birth though because when I saw that I was like oh okay, my god Justine, I need to know all the details because no epidural I want the epidural <laughs> there's no way give me the drugs <laughs> did you know epidurals cost extra yes <laughs> I do oh. <laughs> she's like I'm trying to stay the debt-free millennial guac <laughs> is guac is extra and so is the epidural listen I had always kind of been in the mindset of a holistic approach when when it came to birth. And that was something that was important to me because I was like, I can do this. Like if I can do hit training and I can do, <laughs> you know, if I can go out and run three miles, whatever, I, I think I can do this. And I wanted to have that connection experience to be like, I can trust my body and I trust that I know what it's doing. And so I yeah. had really looked into like hypnobirthing and I was like, I'm sold. I can definitely do this. Oh, oh, interesting. Hypno. Basically, hypnobirthing is all about using your breath and affirmations to help you get through your labor. Oh, it sounds right up my That's head. Kristen. You said that, and I literally was like, Kristen, go look into this now. Maybe I'll be doing this too. Okay. I will send you the link to a, a fabulous book when and if you are ready for that. Um, a fabulous Thank book you. called Hypnobirthing, the Mongan Method. And it basically talked about all the ways that you can <laughs> use your breath. Wait, did you just say Mog? Did you just say Mongan Method too? Because my last name's Mon and a lot of people say Mongan. Is that why you were laughing, Courtney? Yes. <laughs> Mongan. I think it's M-O- It's M-O-N-G-A-N. It sounds it. like it's right up your it alley, sounds though. Like, yeah. So what is one piece of advice for somebody who's starting out on the debt-free journey that you would give to a beginner? The number one tool that has helped me pay off debt and hit my financial goals is the budget. Hands down, if you have a written budget, you will be able to track your goals, hold yourself accountable to those goals because you can see everything that's written down in front of you. There's no hiding when you have a written budget. So if you're just starting out, 
don't change anything. Don't try to make an extra payment towards the debt or add in these new uh, investing uh, goals. Simply write out your budget. Where are you at right now? How much does your rent and utilities, your mortgage payment, how much do those things cost? Can you start tracking how much you spend on restaurants, for example, or groceries? How much do you spend on clothes in a month? If you can start tracking those things with a budget, then you'll be able to make bigger decisions that you can actually feel really good about with your finances. Yeah, and Justine that. has a really great spreadsheet that I use. So we will definitely mm -hmm. link that for you guys in our description and all over our social, but I swear by it. I made one for, before I got married, I made one for me and then my husband, and now we're, we have a joint one. So that's all thanks Amazing. to Justine. That's so yes. awesome, Courtney. <laughs> I love that. Wow, so yes. you guys, you guys budget together? We do now. I think he's, I gotta get him more like, happy about it but yeah we're budgeting together now it's not just me <laughs> you gotta tempt I'll him i'll be grabbing that you gotta tempt him with those craft beers be like <laughs> we're drinking and we're looking at money <laughs> we know you gotta run but please tell everyone where they can find you if you want to tag your handles <laughs> yes you can find me over on youtube at debt free millennials you can also check me out on instagram at debt free millennials and we'll be hanging out talking about money, beer, babies, everything. <laughs> All the good stuff. Yes. Yay. Thank you so much. Thank you for so much. Thanks for having me. Start your week off with some boss lady energy every Monday. And send us your suggestions for future episodes. Slide into those DMs. And follow us on social media at Boss Lady Energy Pod. <laughs>